Welcome. How are you doing? How are you doing? Much better. Guys, it's, it's good to be here. It's good to, that I can um, you know, journey this through with you. So this might surprise you, but I'm not Pastor Scott. Uh, I know, hard to believe. We are both very tall guys. Um, so I'll be uh, taking us through um, our journey this morning. So if you're like, who is this who is this British guy talking? I'm going to, to give you some insight into me, just some really quick things. So my name is Luke Mahale. Okay, I got that right. That's a good start. My position here at ZCC is I'm the student ministries pastor. So we're, we're part of an amazing ministry here. We have great parents, great leaders, and amazing students. So such a blessing to be part of this. My age is I'm 35 plus tax. And I'm not, now hear me out, I'm not talking about just any tax, I'm talking about New Jersey tax. <laughs> so I'm nearly, I'm nearly 40, okay? And my nationality is I'm Australian, I am not British. So I'll tell you a funny story about that, okay? Because, you know, I tell this a little bit. So the first time I ever came to the US was 2010. Okay, I was visiting my brother who lived in a little town called Bridgewater in New Jersey. Some Bridgewater people here? There we go. <laughs> um, and so I came along and, and I said, Jonathan, what's for dinner? So him and his wife got together and said, let's give them an, an Australian experience. So we went to Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> I sat down, like, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be Australian food. Not the menu was something else, like um, Alice Springs chicken wings, blooming onion. What is this? But we sat down. We had our food. It was subpar at best. Sorry if you work there. And <laughs> as, I was, uh, as I was leaving, uh, some guy, I'm assuming he's American, because, you know, we're in America, and he opened the door for me to let me out. I'm like, oh, thanks, mate. He's like, <laughs> Nice try with the accent. <laughs> cool. Thanks, man. See ya. So um, I'm going to try and use as little jargon as possible. But if I do, I want to prepare us here this morning. Okay? So I'm going to give you guys a bit of a pop quiz. So my family can't answer this because they're Australian. But I'm going to ask you a, an Australian term. You have to try and tell me what it is. Okay, are you ready? You confident? Whew, the first service got like one right, and that was a complete guess. All right. First one is Aussie salute. And no, it's not rude. It's not rude. What's the Aussie salute? Any takers? What's that? Oi, no. The Aussie salute is this. You're waving flies away from your face. That's the Aussie salute. I do that nowadays here in Jersey, but that's to drivers on Route 80. Get out of the way. Next one. Uh, we've missed, yeah, brolly. So what's brolly? Here's what a bro Umbrella, good job. That's the one that the first service got right. So don't feel too confident just yet, all right? Next one, Dax. Here's what Dax are. No, they're not sneakers. They're pants. Pants. So if you hear Australians say to you, nice dax, don't get offended. They're talking about your pants. 
Next one, servo. What's a servo? No. Service station, like a gas station. We call it a servo, okay? You still with me? Sweet. All right. Chucky Yui. What's Chucky Yui mean? It sounds disgusting, but it's not. What's Chucky Yui mean? Whoa, whoa, someone over there? U-turn, how did you know that? To perform a U-turn manoeuvre. I want to be more formal, but you just threw it out there, so good job. The last one is sticky beak. What's a sticky beak? No takers? A sticky beak is to like, be inquisitive, to like, look at something because you're just interested. Okay? So if someone says, I'm going to go and have a sticky beak, it means that they're going to go and look at something. Okay? So it has to do with searching. So with that, by the way, you're all now honorary Australians. Congratulations. So with the sticky beak piece, I've got a question for you. Have you ever been searching for so long for something that you feel like, that you feel like giving up? I know for me, there was one time I was trying to find my sunglasses. Looked for hours. Where were they? On my head. Yeah, I felt like an absolute idiot. But I think that we're all searching for something in life, whether it's something deep, something shallow, but we're all searching. And at the moment, like uh, my family and I, we're going through uh, this searching process because we're actually selling our house in Sussex County and we're moving to Somerset County. It's exciting. We're, We're really pumped about that. But so we're selling a house, so we have open houses. So people are coming to our house they're judging us so badly. You would think they're going to look for, some, for things that they like, but they're not. They're looking for things that are wrong. So I asked my realtor, I said, Caitlin, what are some things that you've heard over the time about houses that are just so weird? So I'm going to give you the top five that she gave me. Are you ready? Now, two of these were from our house, by the way, which is not good. Like, 20, like 20% of these were from our house. The first one, the location is too far out. Do you not have Google Maps? Do you not see how far the house is before you go? It's a good house, it's perfect for our family, has all this stuff that we need, but it's like three miles too far. The fourth one, the grass is too green. That wasn't our house, believe me. We live in such a townie. Third one, the chimney has black stuff around it. So um, they, Caitlin said that they were asking about black mold. Like black mold on the chimp? No, it's soot. Okay, strange stuff. Number two, this is, this is our house, by the way. Okay, I'm going to own it. The kitchen smells like coffee. <laughs> if, you know, if those that are close to me that know me know that I love my coffee, okay? So I wore that as a badge of honour. <laughs> Thank you. Number one, the walls look like they're moving. Okay, I'll get right on that. What are we supposed to do with that? But people were searching for the wrong things. But one thing I've learned over my, my years is that searching is a part of life. Like we're all searching for something, whether it's something small or something big. But when it comes to those deeper things, those deep things in life that we're trying to say, where, what is this life all about? I've tried everything. 
What else is there? We can sometimes feel tired. We feel tired of searching. Man, I've tried everything, but I'm still unhappy. I'm still unfulfilled. It can leave us feeling frustrated. Oh, man, I've tried everything. I'm so over this life. I'm just going through the grind. It's the same thing over and over and over. It can even leave us feeling helpless. I've tried everything. I'm just going to grin and bear it. Life is, this is all there is. And I'll tell you what, there's so much more to life than just that. Uh, so to this morning, we're concluding our series called Playlist. Have you guys enjoyed this series or what? It's been great, huh? So I have the privilege of closing it out, which is fantastic. So I'm going to be talking about um, a U2 song called I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. So it was written by this bloke, this guy, Bono. And, um, you know, we're going to learn a little bit more about Bono as time goes on this morning. But that's the question that so many people are asking. What else is there? Because I still haven't found what I'm looking for. So we'll be talking about yearning, about searching, and about true meaning in life. But we can't start anywhere without opening the word. Do you agree with me? So let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, guys. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. So uh, if you have the ZCC app, please go to the message notes section to get the most out of our time here this morning. So as you're finding Ecclesiastes chapter 1, um, it's my favourite book of the Bible, okay, so I'm a little bit biased. Um, and that's because if you feel like you've got life figured out, if you feel that like you've got God figured out, this will give you some perspective pretty quickly too. It was written by Solomon, who was talking to the people of his day, and it's just a, a, great, um, a great book. So we're going to read from um, Ecclesiastes 1, 1 to 2. It says, The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What a start. Let's pray. (laughs) So Solomon's writing this, okay? So you think Solomon's like, wow, this guy seems really depressive. He seems like he's just down the pits. He's got nothing in life. But I'll tell you, Solomon was a king, okay? The king of one of the greatest kingdoms ever, which was, which was Israel. And this guy was rich. This guy was filthy rich. I'm not talking Jeff Bezos rich. I'm talking Scrooge McDuck rich, okay? He was rich. And you think, oh, how rich was he? Ask that question. How rich was he? I'll tell you. Glad you asked. Uh, For today's money, he would have been worth this much, $2 trillion, $2 trillion. And you might think, oh, yeah, Bezos has that. This is like 12 times that. Okay, this guy had all the money in the world, all the riches in the world, okay? He had plenty of wives too. He had like over 700 wives. (laughs) Careful. He had, he had all the women falling at his feet. He had everything. He had power. He had status. Yet he's saying, with all these things, 
All these things that we can chase after in today's world, life is meaningless. That's huge. So what does he mean by that? He means this. He means that life without God, without knowing your true purpose, without knowing what we're searching for, can lead into despair, into depression, and into helplessness. Despair, depression, and helplessness. And this is, again, a guy that had everything at his feet. And the theme here this morning that we want to really hit on is that without God, life is meaningless. Let's continue from uh, chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. What do people gain from all their labours at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. Now, I'm not saying don't acquire things. I'm not saying go to a monastery and just, you know, have nothing in life. Enjoy life. Enjoy the things of life. Absolutely, go for it. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's all you're chasing, if that's all you're searching for in life, what we're what we are acquiring, you're missing out on so much. And you're going to leave, you, leave yourself feeling unsatisfied, unhappy, and unfulfilled. The U2 song has a lyric about that. Bono says this, he says, I have climbed highest mountains, I have run through the field, only to be with you. I have run, I have crawled, I have scaled city walls, only to be with you. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Bono's a guy that had the life, the world at his feet as well. He had the world at his fingertips. He could have gotten anything he wanted. He wrote this in 1989 when I was five, okay? So back then, he had everything. He had fame, his money, while he's not Bezos rich. The guy still says has $700 million. I wouldn't mind that, would you? But like Solomon, he had so much. But he's saying, you know what? I've, I've done all these things. I've gone through all this stuff in life. I've acquired all this stuff. I have fans falling at my feet, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And maybe you're sitting here going, okay, well, this Australian guy is talking about finding something. Well, well, Luke, what am I supposed to be searching for? What is that thing? I want to know. I could throw out platitudinous quotes. I could throw out philosophical ideas but I think the, the answer is always in the word. So let's go to John chapter four, verses seven to 14. So again, while you're getting there, the context of this is that Jesus is walking from Judea to Galilee. Okay, so he's on a long journey. The journey is about 112 kilometers, 70 miles. And he was probably hot. He was probably bothered, he was tired. And he want, the guy wanted a rest. So here we go from uh, verse 7. <clears throat> when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, 
You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus, so picture this, Jesus arrives, and this woman knows that Jesus is a Jew, okay? So these Jews and Samaritans do not get along. So this woman probably didn't expect Jesus to talk to her, let alone offer her water, ask for water. But he turned the conversation on his head. He didn't care about this ongoing rivalry. The Jews and the Samaritans, it's like the Yankees and the Red Sox. I'm a Red Sox fan, by the way. We'll be talking about grace next week. (laughs) But with all these things, he had the opportunity to love her, and he took it. He had the opportunity to teach her, and he took it. What mattered was not where she was from or the walls that she had put up. What mattered to Jesus was her distance from God. That's what mattered. So he flicks the switch and go straight to the heart. Jesus answered her, let's go back to verse 10. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God. So let's let's pause there. What is the gift of God? The gift of God, he's talking about himself. He's saying, I am the gift from the Father in in heaven who, who has sent me, not to like give you nice happy quotes, not to sit here and like sort of teach from a mountainside, that's good stuff, but I'm here to save you from your sin. That's the greatest gift of all. We can, we can sort of flick over that gift of God. That is such a big thing. The greatest gift you can ever receive in this world is free and it's right at your fingertips. All you have to do is walk into it and receive it. That's it. And we'll have a chance to do that a bit later. So let's continue. And who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Living water. So living water, again, he's not saying that I'm the living water. He's saying, I'm going to give you living water. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's saying that if you drink from this well right here, you'll be thirsty again in five minutes. But if you draw from the Holy Spirit, if you give your life to me and let my spirit dwell within you, you are never going to thirst again. You're never going to search again. And you will find what you're looking for. Verse 11, she responds. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? So she's not quite getting it here. Um, She's like, what's this guy talking about? But you know what? Something inside her kept her engaged in that conversation. She could have easily said, oh, this guy's 
talking about water that's alive. He's talking about you know, gifts from God. What the heck? But no, he's, she's still inquisitive because she knows deep down, deep down, that Jesus has what she's searching for. She was five marriages in. She was living with someone who wasn't her husband. But in her brokenness, in her despair, she was still searching. Verses 13 to 14. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks the water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is, what, this is one thing, one of the many things I love about Jesus. He gets us out of our bubble. And what I mean by that is we can sort of be in our own little world. Like we give God our attention on Sunday and then we go on our normal life. And we can get so anxious and frustrated inside our own boxes that we forget about what God has for us. This is what Jesus does here in this particular passage. He shifts the conversation from the earthly to the eternal. He's saying, if you want to drink this, this water, fine, go for it. It's just, it's, you'll, be, you'll be thirsty again. But I'm going to give you everlasting life. I'm going to give you purpose on this world while you're here. That's incredible. And here she has a choice. Again, she has a choice. She could be like, okay, Jesus is saying this. I'm not quite ready. I'm happy with the guy I'm living with. Yeah, I've had five marriages, but maybe number six is going to be the one. Who knows? She might say, you know what, I'm drawing water, but maybe, just maybe, I'll get some sort of promotion in my community, and who knows? But she doesn't. She accepts that Jesus was offering her something that has never been offered to her before. That was eternal life. And what does she do? She doesn't say, okay, thanks, Jesus, thanks for that, see you later. She doesn't. She celebrates. She celebrates. She starts dancing around. And not only that, but she goes back to her village and she tells everyone about Jesus. Everyone doesn't care. She's so unashamed in what had just happened. She's like, I can't keep this to myself. I can't do it. I need everybody to hear what I've encountered today. And that is a challenge for us, is it not? You can hear about these great things that Jesus has done and is continuing to do. But let's not forget it as we walk out the doors. Let's go and be excited and be inspired to tell other people all about Jesus. This picture here, who can tell me what sport this is? It's not soccer. It's not rugby. Quidditch? What? This here, by the way, the nine o'clock service got it right, just saying. This is Australian rules football, okay? It's like the biggest sport in Australia other than cricket. So this, this guy here, his name is Lance Franklin. He's one of the best players. He plays for the Sydney Swans. Swans, very intimidating, right? Oh, we're facing the Swans this week. But I played this sport, not at this level, but I played this sport for about eight years. And as a teenager, and you know, we, we were like one of the best teams in the competition. 
We wanted to reach the pinnacle. We wanted premiership glory. We wanted to stand on that podium at the end of the year with the cup and celebrate. Because we knew that if that happened, we would, we'd be satisfied. We knew that if that happened, life would make so much sense and we would have arrived. So for three years in a row, we lost the grand final. Three years in a row. And it was like by a small margin too. And by the fourth year, we're like, you know what, guys? We've got to really knuckle down. So we huddled. We're like, what, what can we do? So we trained harder. We met for longer. And we wanted to make sure that we won. In the fourth year, we finally won the premiership. And we're like, yes, we've done it. We finally hit the mountaintop. This is fantastic. This is awesome. Life is amazing. I don't need anything else. Just the euphoria we felt. So we celebrated for like a week, thinking that, you know what? We've arrived. This is fantastic. That lasted about a week until our coach got us together and said, okay, guys, last year was good, but let's focus on next year. I'm like, what? We've just won this premiership. But he said, no, we have to keep on going from year to year to year. So what happened is the satisfaction that we had, the idea that we had arrived, the idea that life was perfect was diminished really quickly. And suddenly the chance to fail again was there. And this is the same as life. When you, when you achieve something and you think you've, you've, you've made it, it's, it's going to wear away, it's going to wear off because that's not enough. There's something that we're all searching for. There's something deep inside of us that if we're not looking to God, if we're not choosing to put Jesus at the centre of our life, we're always going to be empty. Always. So what is it for you? What's your premiership? Is it money? Money's good. But money is one of those things that you will never have enough of. You think, you know what, if I just make a million dollars, I'll be happy. I'll be set for life. Life's going to make sense. But no, because then you want two million. Then three million. Oh, I really want this, so I need five million for that. So you try and get more and more and more, and you're never satisfied. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe you think, you know what, if I just had a really good family, things would be good. If my kids behaved, not my kids, my kids are perfect. But if my kids behaved, things would be great. Maybe you're single and saying, oh, if I just found Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, I'd be so happy. But you know what? People and relationships, they're not perfect. They're just not. So you walk in there expecting to, to be in like a Jane Austen or a Disney novel or movie, it's not going to happen. So you're going to feel left wanting. And maybe it's status. Maybe you're thinking, if I, just, if I climb that next rung on the corporate ladder, I'd be good. Maybe I'll go on Instagram and just post the highlights of my life and people will be like, wow, people are going to be thinking I'm so cool. But, hot, but Instagram, social media is a highlight reel. No one sees your backstage photos. So status is not enough. Ever enough. So many people, and I've witnessed this time and time again, so many people get to the end of their lives and they are unfulfilled. People who have everything. They're like, I'm still searching. I don't know what it is, but there's something else. 
And why is that? Because we often search in the wrong places. We do it a lot. Back to our U2. The song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. There's a lyric that reminds us of this. And here Bono says, you broke the bonds and you loosed the chains. Carried the cross of my shame, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And reading and listening to this lyric, I was sort of challenged with a question. And that is this, do you know about Jesus or do you actually know him? So we know the stories, we know, you know, all the, the, the loaves and the fishes, we might know about, you know, what he did and what he ultimately did on the cross, and that's great. But maybe like, you know what, I know Jesus, I know what he did, I'm going to put it on the back burner, and when I'm ready, I'm going to pick it up and, and go with it. Or maybe like, you know what, I know, I know about Jesus, but when things go really bad in life, that's when I'm going to pick him back up again and say, Jesus, help me. Then when things get better, okay, Jesus, thanks for that, off you go. And this quote right here reminds me of one of my favourite book series of all time, and that is the Narnia Chronicles by C.S. Lewis. Um, so if, you don't, if you're not familiar with it, um, I am really surprised. But this is Aslan. So Aslan is the, um, one of the main characters. Aslan is the Jesus character. Okay, so Aslan uh, ultimately dies for his friends so that, his, um, so that Ed, a boy named Edmund may be saved. Okay, so Edmund betrays his, his friends and his family and just after he does that and Aslan's dead the question is asked of Edmund so Edmund's the guy that betrayed they ask him this question they say but who is, who is Aslan? do you know him? so who is Aslan? and this is how Edmund responds well he knows me says Edmund he is the great lion the son of the emperor beyond the sea who saved me and saved Narnia. There's three words out of that I want to really, really pull out of that, and that is this. He knows me. You might not know Jesus this morning. Maybe you've gone through the motions for a while. Maybe you've never actually taken that step of faith. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a while and maybe you've gone away a little bit, you've strayed away. It's okay, you're in the right place. But you know what? He knows you. And he's always going to go over and beyond for you. There's a very common metaphor that reminds me about us searching for God and what that means, and that is this. I call it a God-shaped hole could be God-shaped void, God-shaped vacuum, whatever you want to use. And what it means is that there's a big part of our lives that cannot be filled by anything other than Jesus. We can try and fill this with money and status and relationships and all the wrong things, but there's still going to be a gaping hole inside you that is not going to be filled. And my question is this, is this what your heart looks like right now? Just assess that yourself. Is there a part of your life right now where you're like, you know what, I'm searching. I've been searching for so long. I'm filling it with the wrong things in life. Luke, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. 
Well, I'm telling you what you're looking for. You're looking for Jesus. Because he, he has died for you. He wants the best for you. And he has stood in the gap between you and death. And one of my favourite songs by Keith Green says, some, some people don't find out until it's too late that the price has to be paid. You can pay it yourself or let someone else. I don't know about you. I personally don't want to pay the, pay the price for my own sin. Jesus can do it and he's done it. That right here is our choice this morning. It's up to you. It's up to you. I wish I could say, yeah, Jesus, save everyone here. But I can't do that. That's up to you. It's solely up to you. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. (sighs) Guys, I, I, I... I encourage you, now I, I implore you to take that offer up this morning. Whether you're straight away, whether you've never really known Jesus, whether your heart looks like this, you know where you're at individually. But today is the day for salvation. Today. Don't wait, don't wait. There might not be a tomorrow. Jesus says that in Luke 12. He says, you might not know, know about t- tomorrow. Tonight your soul might be required of you. And that's the harsh reality. Today is a day for salvation. So what are you going to do with that? Maybe you're going to keep on chasing for stuff, just hoping to get that meaning, that purpose. Maybe you want to be like Solomon, who had it all, but didn't have it all. Maybe you, want to, you may be like the woman at the well and you have to stop and humble yourself and say, you know what, there is sin in my life. I need to repent and I need to chase you and celebrate and tell other people about Jesus. That's where we're at this morning. Just out in the open. There's a line in the sand. What are we going to do this morning? So we're going to, guys, we're going to pray and I want to give you an opportunity to respond and I know it's, it sometimes can be hard to step out in courage. Maybe it's hard to raise your hand, and I get it. Maybe it's like you're thinking, well, I'm too comfortable in my sin. I'll do that later. I encourage you to, to do it today. So let's pray, and we're going to spend like a couple of minutes just in prayer, and we're going to have some silent time. I really, really encourage you to spend that time and just ask God to reveal things in your heart. Ask God what those parts in your heart right now, which parts are empty? What are you trying to fill with the wrong things? We all have it, guys. We all have it. We all have that God-shaped hole, that void. Let's fill it this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for what you've done for us. Lord, we acknowledge that we can search for the wrong things, that we can push you aside, Lord, and try and search for those things that don't have ultimate meaning. We can chase these idols. Lord, as we spend about a minute now just in silence, 
we pray that you reveal those things in our heart, Lord, that are stopping us from getting to you. And maybe we don't know you. Lord, encourage us. We, we ask you, Lord, right now to give us the courage to step out and say, that's me. I want to say yes to you, Jesus. So just now in the silence, God, just individually, it's just you and I. Don't worry about people next to us. It's about you and I. With every eye closed, if that's you, I encourage you to be like the woman at the well and not care about anyone else. And just put your hand up and say, that's me. That's you. Let this be the day that you draw the line in the sand and say, I'm going to stop chasing the wrong things. God, we're so happy that you know us. You've always known us and you're always there. You're always faithful. Lord, fill that God-shaped void in our lives here this morning. Lord, we thank you and we love you. And you're precious. You're amazing. And you're mighty in your sovereign name. Amen.